Hey y'all, I hope you're having a great day today. Uh, This episode, I sit down with Kish Russell. She is a proven grant writing expert based in San Antonio, Texas. Um, Kish has worked in education for over 20 years. She's got certifications out the wazoo from EC education through her superintendent cert. Uh, She's done lots of different stuff. She's been a kindergarten classroom teacher and taught college students. And now she works consulting with public and charter schools, with districts, with even higher ed institutions, providing phenomenal, dynamic guidance on all things grant writing and compliance. Um, You can buy her books, you can buy her courses, hire her consulting services, or check out some phenomenal free resources she has on her website. Um, It's kishrussell.com. That's K-I-S-H-R-U-S-S-E-L-L.com. I hope you enjoy hearing from Kish as much as I did. I've got Kish Russell here with me, a grants and compliance specialist. I barely know what that means, so I am so excited to kind of get into it and figure out all the stuff. And um, this podcast that we're doing, um, our kind of goal and mission is to help campus leaders, um, especially campus leaders who are new to the job or just feel under-resourced and feel like they have more questions than answers and don't know who to ask to get some good answers. Um, And so thankfully, we've got some awesome people to ask questions and uh, I'm really excited about that. So Kish, um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me what school was like for you, where you're from, um, and kind of how you got to where you are today. Thank you. Um, So I started off as a kindergarten teacher many years ago. Working in Houston ISD, there was a high poverty campus. Um, The needs of the students were really great. Um, the, The parents, the language skills, communicating what they needed to bring for school. Um, the It was hard to, to break that barrier for the kids needing what they needed in school. And so the crayons and the backpacks and the uh, glue and the scissors and all of that stuff. The school provided some of it, but in kindergarten you go through a lot of it. Nice. <laughs> There's a lot of using and uh, consuming all the different materials yeah, that go into school. So with getting $27,000 a year for my, my first teaching job was, yeah. you know, spending most of my, my paycheck on my, my classroom was mm-hmm. really uh, not sustainable right. financially. Yeah. So uh, that's when I started asking for a support from local businesses. I write on letterhead, would you be willing to donate mm-hmm. $50, $100 to help us buy school supplies, art supplies, backpacks. And so from that grew my success of wanting to reach out and and do bigger grants. And so uh, over the years I've uh, learned, um, I've got a lot of no's and I've also gotten a lot of yeses. And so now um, working in, uh, as a kindergarten teacher for 10 years, I also uh, worked in San Antonio ISD. Okay. And then that grew my experience uh, as well in asking for money. And in 2008, I transitioned to district grant writer for San Antonio ISD. Okay, so how did you make that jump? Well, um, at the time, uh, I was an overworked teacher. Sure. <laughs> um, I was like 
I was the gifted and talented coordinator. I was mentoring two new teachers. Yes. Um, I was dyslexia uh, coordinator yes. for yeah. my campus. So oh, all yeah. of that, I was like, I need, I, and I need something else yeah. besides teaching. Yeah. So um, I went into, I applied for the district grant writer job. And I remember when I interviewed for it, um, that of course that position has to go before the board. Okay. So it's sure. like a like a six week time frame between your interview and when you actually okay. get selected. Sure. So I'm teaching, and I get this. Uh, someone comes in my classroom and says, uh, "HR's on the phone for you." And I was like, <laughs> "Oh no, what happened?" Yeah, right. So they were saying that I had gotten the job for a grant writer. And wow. I was like, well, wait, you know, I'm, this is in October. We're yeah. getting ready for Halloween and all the right. fall festivities. And so that uh, was my first uh, professional grant writer. <laughs> did you have like any formal training before that? Or did you just kind of figure it out out of necessity? Uh, my my heart was always to, to get the kids the best that they could have because sure. working in high poverty schools you know I, I've always felt that you need to kids dis, mm. despite where they live sure. or what family or their low income they should always get the best like high quality education opportunities for all students no matter where they are and so grants when I would ask oh well can we do this or can we buy this and and the response was, "There's no money." Right. I well, I didn't let that stop me. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's where I started, you know, asking for money, and then figuring out grant applications are pretty standard. They want to know, you know, what your background story is. Sure. They want to know what the needs are. Sure. Uh, what problem is going to be solved with the with the funds? Mm -hmm. uh, what your plan uh, for using the funds are who's going to be managing and responsible for implementing the program, sure. uh, the budget, they want to know how much you yeah. you want a breakdown of what you're going to use the funds for, and sure. then connect it to all of your goals and your problem. Everything has to connect. Yeah. It's very important. And then um, how you're going to evaluate the effectiveness of it. So sure. it's pretty much a standard process that all grants ask for. Um, so with that understanding, jumping into a grant, I always look for those components okay. uh, so that way I can uh, structure and strategize how to complete grant applications. Okay. So then, so now you're kind of the grant officer in, for the district, was that right? Yeah. Well, for the district, I was just the grant writer. So okay. once the grants were awarded, then it would pass on to the, the, the next Okay. staff member in the okay. district to manage and monitor all of that and then um, <clears throat> after doing that for three and a half years mm -hmm. I got my master's degree okay. and my principal certification which led me into federal programs compliance coordinator uh, for San Antonio ISD again. Okay, so, cool. So I did both the, the competitive grants and then the formula funded grants so I have both uh, uh, experience on both sides. Okay. Those competitive grants, how did you go about choosing what to pursue versus what not to pursue? So each year we would um, create a strategic plan mm -hmm. um, 
or with the district improvement plan was kind of what led us to identifying okay. what our priorities for funding are. Okay. And then sometimes a need would arise, um, like when we got a large population of uh, certain migrant students, or um, there were um, students in the middle school that were um, dropping out of school, were trying sure. to capture those students back into the school district so the, the grant funds would be targeted and prioritized for serving those specific needs. You know, as you go from a teacher that was kind of just asking local businesses for money into a, a grant writing position, where did you kind of start? Where can teachers start to look for money when they maybe want to go from just asking local businesses to pursuing larger grants? Or, you know, like, how does that, how can teachers do that? So um, the first, like the easy, one thing to keep in mind with grants is it's not an overnight, like uh, you ask for money and then they hand it. Sure. It can be a very long process. Mm -hmm. So the the letter of support, uh, letter of request is what I usually recommend to get started with. And it's just usually uh, campus letterhead, mm -hmm. write your need, what the problem that you're, you're going to solve with the money, sure. how much money, and then just put a simple one-page request together. Give it to your um, local banks, your okay. uh, businesses, yeah. um, anyone, um, real estate agents, insurance companies, yeah. they're very good about giving back. Have you found a, a dollar amount that seems to like be the ticket that you know, if you ask for $500, that typically get, you know, what, how should teachers know how much to ask for? No, that's a good question. So I recommend um, looking at what's reasonable and necessary okay. for your, for whatever you're wanting to do. If you're wanting okay. to buy school supplies, you know, $100, $200, or um, um, I like to, to create like a per pupil cost. So if I have 20 okay. students in my classroom, um, I would say, you know, $10 per student, you know, it would be a reasonable cost. I, that's just, you know, an, sure, example, an example, but um, but creating that, that kind of breakdown, it helps you as a grant writer or uh, asking for money to know what is reasonable. Sure. Because sometimes people, well, they'll get really lofty, oh, we want $50,000. And I'm like, well, what are you gonna do with the $50,000? Yeah. Oh, well, um, we need to buy yeah. notebooks and paper. Right. And I'm like, well, do you need 50,000? Or, yeah. you know, that's usually a request for where you uh, add staff into the mix or right. field sure. trips and travel yeah. and transportation. So it's uh, trying to create a reasonable uh, methodology on, um, on, on how much to ask for is always good. And also like, um, a very popular grant um, to get started with is like Lowe's will have a sure a school grant and it's not mm -hmm. very long. Um, it's maybe you know five or six questions. Sure. You just fill in the blanks, and that's a, a really good starting point. Uh, Target okay. has one as okay. well. Walmart, yeah, they have really easy grant applications yeah. you can get started with, and uh, with those, um, it's usually um, you know. What are you, what is the need? Uh, tell us about your organization and yeah. how are, how are the funds going to be used? Yeah. Um, and a lot of times they don't know how much to ask for, but yeah. 
like I said, being reasonable on uh, looking through uh, what exactly your budget's going to go for is going to be a very helpful method for that. That makes sense. Um, How can campus leaders support and empower teachers to do this? It takes some time. It takes energy to do all this research to start to understand something that you might not have understood. Um, what can campus leaders do to help teachers? What did your campus leader do to help empower you to start writing grinds? Or did they? What could they have done differently? Or what would you like to see in a dream scenario that, that a campus leader can do to help their teachers do this grant writing process when they already feel like, I can't do another thing. Like, right. how can I, I can't add to my plate. Um, so how can, how can our leaders support us in that? Um, I think um, allowing time. Um, okay. Uh, it, now, I know time is precious. <laughs> yeah. um, so maybe um, allowing a substitute day uh, for that teacher to work on the grant um, okay. might be one way to do it. Okay. Um, because that's one of the things that I always needed was more time right. and trying to figure out how to manage that with my current workload was right. always a challenge. Okay. Anything else that you could think of or um, like how can, how can campus administrators, is, is there a, a resource that they can sh- give to teachers? Like, hey, you know, I think we should, like, this would be a great way you need some money for costumes for this recital or you need supplies or you, whatever it is that the kids need. Um, how can, like, where can we go to find, like, you know, is there a, a resource other than just, like, Target, Walmart, Winco, you know, the, those, um, to kind of help give us a jump start to where we can ask money? Or is it just trial and error? So um, the Texas Education Agency okay. has, a, has a website okay. that's very popular and it the, has a grant opportunities link at the top of their homepage. Okay. And you click on that and then it uh, has a drop down of so many different grant opportunities okay. that are available. And uh, those are kind of uh, nice grants because they're uh, this, the state does a really good job of formatting it into a into a way that anyone could fill out an application. Um, okay. And then the, they give the guidelines, so you look at the guidelines and you try to match what they're wanting to fund. So if it's okay. for an after-school sure. program, yeah. then all of your needs are going to be, well, why do you need an after-school program? Right. What is the needs assessment that's, that sure. you've done to determine this? Yeah this grant is going to be a good fit. So I would highly recommend that as one of the starting points. And uh, the state also provides a lot of good training and technical assistance on how to do those. Like they'll put webinars on and they'll post them in all of those grant uh, resources. Uh, And then a nice thing they also do is the Texas Education Agency has grants awarded. So they have a, a, a web page where it has lists all the grants that were awarded. Okay. And it lists the app the actual applications that were submitted. Oh wow. So you can see like how other people wrote up their application. That is very helpful. And and learn from like their what they put in there um, is just a I, I find it to be a very helpful process to see. Sure. Um, then with that as a resource. That's awesome. That's a great launch pad.
So back to your story. Yes. So now you're working on both the federal grants and were you just doing like the federal grants at that point in time? Yes. So okay. um, the Title One, Title Two, II, Title III, yes. um, uh, state compensatory education, yes. all of those uh, grant funds were, and private nonprofit schools was a big part of my oh, okay. work. Yes. Okay. And my, I had a team. At, at first, I didn't have a very large team because uh, there was, uh, as we built up our the team in our um, federal programs department, then we started making really uh, good. Uh, uh, strides with compliance because compliance monitoring with as large of a school we had 99 school-wide campuses wow to okay manage, so yeah it was, it was a lot of work but yeah. our, amazing team okay <laughs> yes. cool so how long did you did you do that for I did that for about three almost four years okay. and then um, I went to private sector as a grant consultant and okay. so I um, was the, the vice president of that uh, organization for about almost three, three and a half years. Okay. And then um, I went in 2018. I started my own grant consulting. Um, as a so tell me, I, I wanna I wanna know about you know if if someone is really connecting to what you're saying and they want more information. Tell us about like what services you or I I know um, one of my campus leader friends has said you know no one no one tells you about all the paperwork and all the like how how much you don't realize you know when you step into this job so tell me like what services what are you doing now so um, I'm very responsive to the needs of my clients so any okay. school district I work with school districts charter schools okay. um, and then there are some private companies that reach out to me to help okay. them communicate grants that are available for their clients. So okay. um, I will provide that service as well. So anything from um, grant searching where uh, somebody, uh, a school district says, um, you know, we just need somebody to, to find grants within these focus areas to meet our, our uh, financial and fiscal needs this year. And so then I'll uh, hone my search my search for those grants as they come available or as they're, they're announced. Okay. Uh, so I look at the U.S. Department of Education's website, the grants.gov, okay. or the state, uh, the Office of the Governor, um, the, the Texas Education Agency's website, yeah. um, uh, foundation grants, any foundations mm. that, so the foundation, um, there's a really good resource um, that's kind of an outside of the box grant approach. It's uh, the foundation directory. Um, okay. And it's um, it's uh, usually most uh, libraries, public libraries, have access to it. Okay. Otherwise, it's a very expensive program to have sure. um, to purchase a subscription. Okay. <laughs> so I recommend your public library. Yeah. But it's a, a, a nice database where um, it's wealthy benefactors that want to give money, but they don't have uh, like a they don't have like a, a foundation set up, so they'll okay. donate money. Or they'll uh, create a like a, a mini foundation within the foundation directory, and with post okay. opportunities for uh, schools to school districts, uh, people who are looking for scholarship money. Okay. Um, the there's so many different sure just foundations that have money and don't really know who to give it right. to. Right. Okay. So it's an opportunity, and usually their process is uh, a lot quicker. Like they, they'll have like three or four uh, re reviews of okay. request 
uh, each year. And then um, the application is usually a, like a two-page letter that okay. you write and you tell them what you need. And, sure. Or there may be an application, but it's a very easy process to, to go through. And then um, the, and using that uh, foundation directory uh, as a resource is, is very a good idea yeah, to, when you're getting for started. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So you kind of you one of the things that you do is help people find grants for what they need. What are some other things that you're doing now? So I also after like if they find a grant that they're interested in, um, then I will help them. I'll, I usually all school districts are required to do a needs assessment annually for their district right. and their, their district improvement yes. plan. So I'll, I'll, I'll use that as kind of the, the basis and then meet with them and I'll say, okay, well, here's the needs I'm seeing in your plan. Is there Are there other needs that or give me more context for? Okay. So create like an interview uh, with them to know exactly what, what why this grant is gonna be the one to uh, help them Okay. Uh, with their with the, whatever needs that they have and then also I uh, I scope the grant out very carefully so that way they know like you have to have matching funds for this grant and what that means for them okay. is yeah. if they get a hundred thousand dollars then they have to match it by 25 percent of sure. that grant so then sometimes they're not aware they're like oh well I, I don't know if we have that yeah. money to match so Great maybe not at this time or sometimes the grant is in a short deadline like it's a six-month window and then by the time they hire somebody for a position for a staff for the grant yeah. then you know three months has gone by and then you know yeah. they they're not going to be able to use so sometimes right. I, I look for those little things knowing my my clients uh, needs and how they operate sure. so that way they're, they're not wasting time and money on yeah. a grant opportunity that is not going to work for them. Okay. And then I also uh, application service or proposal development. Okay. So I'll work with them and I'll write create narratives um, mm. um, and look at um, look from their needs. I'll I'll uh, create a narrative that that demonstrates like their uh, the strengths in, within their community. Um, okay. uh, their uh, infrastructure, their capacity to mm. implement a, a grant opportunity and also mm. uh, utilize census data mm -hmm. so that way it, it really connects it to uh, because of course all it we shouldn't be writing grants on assumptions oh well they need the money well why do they need the money well right. they have a the the census data shows the community you know the median income is thirty two thousand dollars a year yeah, or something right. Um, there's a lot of uh, uh, English learners or um, not native English speakers in the area sure. so you know we need to create programs to help um, get them get jobs and education and other uh, resources that may be necessary. Yeah. So tell me that that really interests me the, the narrative creation why that's so important in grant writing. I think telling the story, yeah. um, and not just uh, like like with straight facts, but creating like the picture, like this is our community, and this is the work we do, and this is the success we've experienced, but we just need this grant to boost us to the next level to really support, because we've identified in all the work that we do, what are the gaps in our services that we provide mm -hmm. that really need this grant to really help us uh, 
create a, a more robust uh, program and services for our community. To me, that's so compelling to think about and think about, you know, our, my, our little school and, um, yeah, I really like that. It's not something I think about when thinking about grant writing. You know, you think about the numbers and the budgets and all of that, but what compels someone to want to grant money is, is that narrative and that story that seems really important. Yes, yes. Um, so other than, I know that you also do some work with compliance, helping schools stay compliant. Tell me more about that. Yes, so after they win the grant. Sure, <laughs> yep, okay, you got the money. <laughs> A lot of times they're, they don't know where to start. Sure. So that's where um, I've, I've created um, six books on grant compliance. Okay. So after the grants are awarded, then they know how to manage and monitor everything. So from creating a strategic plan, uh, their, improve, uh, their improvement plans, to their needs assessments, to um, structuring um, job descriptions, how to create a job description mm -hmm. that's tied and aligned to the purpose of the grant, sure. um, how to create allowable and unallowable uses of funds, because sometimes you have people who uh, get the grant and they're like, oh, well, we want to spend the money this way. And I'm like, okay, well, wait, it needs to be focused on, yeah. on the way that they uh, want to uh, allocate the funds for yeah. the grant. So you can't, it's not just a, you know, um, having that structure and that, um, that pl plan in place uh, allows them the, the, the clear understanding and picture of how to run and manage their program for success. Sure, okay. And then also the evaluation because that's a, and the reporting. So once you get the money, sometimes there's reporting that goes along with it. And you also have to evaluate it and give that, that data and those results back to um, the, the funding agency. Sure. And then um, sometimes knowing the, the agency will give you up front what uh, uh, metrics that they want to see. Um, reported at the end of your program year, which is really helpful because then you know um, how to create your your sur if you, if you're collecting survey data or if assessment okay, data, sure. you you can start know creating that to, plan. Yeah. Yes, and okay. okay, gosh, this just seems like it would take so much time and yeah. so much resources to to manage all of that. Um, what? Tell me some. What are some of the the primary mistakes that you see campus level administrators or district level administrators making when when both applying for grants but then also staying compliant? Um, well, I, I, one of the, the common things I see is you have to plan with the end in mind. Okay. So like when you're doing a grant, you have to say, okay, if it's, I would say at least four weeks on an average grant. If you okay. need at least four weeks, if it's within two weeks, that's a, that you could run the risk of not getting everything together in time. Okay. You can do it, yeah. <laughs> but you have to really know, know what your schedule is like and the time that's, that goes into the grant. Because okay. um, really, I would say eight weeks is a prime time to really plan and uh, structure your pace yourself accordingly because sometimes okay. you need you need to get other uh, people in your district involved 
okay. uh, from you know your budget people need to know you know help you without um, you know structuring how to set the budget up sure. you have your principals who may need to I you, talking with them and meeting with them like right. if we get this this program we're going to need to purchase new curriculum or we're going to need to purchase computers and then your purchasing department yeah. also needs to be involved yeah. because there's a procurement process that goes along especially right. with federal dollars yeah. you can't just go to the store right, and, right. and buy yes, right. any computer you have to follow right. their their uh, procurement rules and uh, approve vendors okay. um, so there's a lot of planning that goes into into place and knowing who your key collaborators are um, from your district ad administration okay. to um, to all of your business and operations. And sometimes if it's uh, like for field trips, you need to coordinate with your transportation department. Sure. Or if it's snacks with your uh, food and nutrition, yeah. uh, need to be uh, involved in all of that planning right. process. So there's a lot of uh, coordination that needs sure. to go on. And then knowing, but I would say planning and pacing yourself so that way you get everything accomplished within a timely manner. And also, when you're submitting a grant, the mm -hmm. authorized official is usually the one who submits it, okay. not the grant writer. Okay. So that's usually the superintendent. Sure. <laughs> so you cannot give him last minute, him or her last right. minute notice right. and say, oh, well, we need you yes. to submit. Well, yeah. you need to give it to him a week in advance. This is our, our yeah. almost final draft. This is yeah. what we're doing because otherwise you can put yourself in a position where they're not available. Right. And then you'll be at risk right. of not uh, meeting the deadline. Right, okay. So often not giving themselves enough time yes. to go through that. Are there seasons to certain grants? Is there kind of a time of year that seems like, okay, this is when a lot of grants come online, so eight weeks before that time is kind of when you can start doing the research, or 10 weeks or 12 weeks before that. Is there a seasonality to like private and competitive grants? Um, most of the time, yes. Okay. Um, they'll structure their um, their grants so that way they can um, either um, for the new year, mm -hmm. so at the between September and December is okay. when a lot of the grants will come out for the new year. Okay. So that way they can plan um, <clears throat> for their spending for and corporate giving for those time okay. frames. And then uh, the state grants are uh, a lot of times based on legislative priorities. For example, okay. uh, the school safety standards grant that's out currently okay. was, yeah. uh, they, they announced it, TEA announced it uh -huh. last year, but then they were waiting for all of the legislative uh, finalizing right. everything before they actually released it. Which, okay. And it's due uh, February 17th. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So... Does that, it seems like that kind of maybe cycles with the school year, come the fall, things are made available, applications are open for the next calendar year. Okay, that's good to know. Um, what are some other things that, that campus leaders can do to help give themselves more time when grant writing and applying for grants? Having a really good needs assessment in place okay and an improvement plan is going to be 
if once you have that in place, then you have most of the information you need okay. to just get started because everything should align with your plan and your needs. And if you have that in place, then really any grant opportunity is going to be a lot easier for you. What makes a, a needs assessment a good needs assessment? Like how do you, how would campus leaders know if they've got a good needs assessment or not? If it's um, Really looking at all of the data. Um, so in the different, there's common categories, your demographics, your sure. curriculum and instruction, yeah your staffing needs, um, your operational needs, uh, parent and family engagement, technology, yeah. um, then your school context um, and culture. Um, school safety is a big one right now. Um, and then your college and career readiness. Okay. Um, assessments, um, those are very common areas. So having needs identified in each of those different categories is really going to be helpful to determine you know, any need for a grant opportunity. Okay, um, if a, you know, I'm thinking of um, campus leaders in smaller or rural schools um, that, might, that might be wearing a lot of different hats, that might be superintendent and principal and parent liaison and all the different things. Um, if they are kind of hearing this and thinking, you know, I, I would like to have a more holistic and complete needs assessment, how can they fix that problem? Um, that is a good question. It's a very common problem okay. where it's the time. It, right, right. <laughs> who has yeah. time? Yeah. Um, but it really, but it's a, it is a federal requirement that they right. do a needs assessment sure. annually. So I think um, having them uh, identify and have a specific date, that's what I always recommend, is that you schedule your needs assessment like uh, time every, uh, like the, the first uh, Monday of, of September or the first okay. Monday of May. So yeah. you do it, your needs assessment in May for the upcoming school year sure. and then revisit it in September for the, um, the current year because sometimes okay. you develop a needs assessment right. in the spring yeah. and then you know projecting right. what you're going to have right. and then the school so year starts <laughs> surprise yeah. so that's a very helpful process to have in place but really uh, honoring that date as your your needs assessment so that way it doesn't nothing else can get in the way and then have a backup date because sometimes something mm, happens sure. with that one day yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Okay, great. So you'll kind of act as a consultant and help grant officers kind of go through this process. Who who do you mostly work with? Do you mostly work with district level officials or campus level? Mm -hmm. Most of the time it's uh, assistant superintendents. Okay. Uh, some uh, For the smaller districts, it'll be the superintendent who will reach sure. out to me. Um, so uh, a lot of... Um, and then from there, they'll I'll, I'll ask who, who my point of contact will be, so that way I can make requests. And then I I create um, after the the grant is selected, then I'll go through the grant, identify all the information that's needed. Okay. Um, and then a lot of it I'll uh, will try to get from the needs assessment and the improvement plan. But then um, whatever you know is not available in those documents then sure. we'll fill in the blanks with that and usually that takes place in an interview i'll yeah. uh, schedule a meeting with them and it may be a, a few meetings because sometimes mm -hmm. they'll bring other people in with questions uh you know a grant should be a collaborative process and not just be 
one person (laughs) doing every doing making all the decisions for the for the grant Um, so it's really uh, nice to get other people's input into Uh, now I have seen some people will say okay I want you to write this part and you to write this part and you to write this part and the, the the challenge that comes about sometimes is that the the voice in the grant is not the same so you can that is a good process to delegate that work out but then have one person come back and then uh, uh, look at the narrative to create that singular voice and so that way it's it's all a focused approach uh, in the grant yeah okay that's good to know um, I also, I know that you like will come to schools or districts and do some kind of PD or training. Tell me more about that. Yes, yeah, so sometimes uh, I'll, uh, depending on what type of service they want, if it's pre-application pre, uh, or if it's post-application, uh, I'll come and do trainings for, for them on like what the grant's about, uh, how to get set up, how to get it structured, and then I'll create a plan okay. for like this is the first phase, our needs assessment phase, and then we're going to create our plan. So that way, but between that eight week time period, sure. hopefully, sometimes yeah, right. it's less. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Um, we'll create that plan uh, to to make sure that it's phased, everything's phased out. No one's rushed and stressed out because right. no one has. Uh, that's not good for anyone to be stressed about these things there's other I always tell them you know you, you do you excel at what you do best and let me excel at, mm, at this part and, yeah. and getting all this together so that way you can continue your work as yeah. as what it's supposed to be yeah talk to me about that about what happens in a in a district once you've been able to walk them through that process with their first big grant so it's um, I, I try to minimize the the burden on the district as much as I can because okay. as a grant writer, um, you know I I have access to you know a lot of information, sure. and so and and then doing research um, with all of the different data sources because you want to put it with best practices. Any grant should be based on best practices, sure. um, unless it is a pilot, then that's another <laughs> type of grant. Mm. Um, so having them. Uh, uh, the, I'm sorry. I think I forgot your question. (laughs) I was thinking on um, something else. That's okay. That's okay. Um, I I just I'm wondering what happens to a district. You know, they they bring they feel like they know that there's grants out there. They they don't really know um, either how to access them or just want more training or want to be able to do a better job of that. So then they they bring you on. Um, is it the kind of thing that like once you've walked through that the first time then doing it again and again and again is easier yes yeah, so it, it it creates um, um, a method for them to know how to start it um, how to process it sure. in the middle and then how to complete it so having one uh, a, and having an example because a lot of times when you write a grant some that person may have written the grant in the district and then they move or they transfer they go to a different position and then that computer wherever that grant was stored is they don't know where to find it so that's where i i like to create a like a historical record for the district so they can anyone can access they just call me up and say you know that grant we wrote two years ago? Right. Do you have a copy of it? And right. then I, I get it to them so that way they can know what was written and what um, 
they did last time so it gives them a good a starting point where you're not starting from scratch right. because your your story is your story for the most part your yeah. needs do change right but your organization um, the the mission and the vision is always yeah. going to be a consistent message throughout any grant yeah. application so having that that historical and I always recommend that when a grant is written um, that it's stored in a, in a location or a place that anyone can access. It's not on one person's computer, sure. but it's in a shared drive or a server yeah. that can right. uh, be accessed. Sure, right. Whenever. Right, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. And not walk off with whoever wrote it. What would be some, some of the easiest to get and easiest to manage grants for campus level leaders or teachers? So I recommend anything under $10,000. Okay. Because $10,000 is a pretty manageable uh, grant. You, when you get, well, 50,000, 10,000 are pretty reasonable. Okay. You get into the 100,000, that's when all the reporting uh, gets into play. And then okay. you have to make sure that you have the staff and the time sure. Uh, sure. To, to do all the reporting sure. for that. Um, so. Uh, that's probably a good threshold to keep to okay. uh, yeah. to use for any grant sure. because sometimes the the grant will have specific requirements that you have to follow and manage. Sure. Um, looking at their uh, data requirements is going to be very helpful. Okay. Um, so uh, like I mentioned before, like your Walmart, Target, yeah. Lowe's, Home Depot, um, those kind of grants. Uh, banks also have ba uh, grants that they sure. give out. Um, that are, are going to be um, less burdensome sure. for, for schools to manage sure. easy. Okay. And uh, sometimes the, the turnaround time is a little quicker Okay. because uh, they'll have multiple um, cycles of okay. funding requests, so that way it gives okay. you access yeah. to the money uh, right. in a shorter time frame. Okay. Um, and, and a lot of times looking at grants, I will say you have to be careful because some grants are they're posed as grants but they really cost you money any grant that costs okay. you money uh, <laughs> is not a grant you should yeah. not have to pay money or sometimes they'll say oh will you get 50% off well that's a coupon or or we're, yeah. uh, uh, some companies will say oh well, we have uh, this grant for our product and you get 50% sure. off well that's right. A discount yeah. right. <laughs> and you can only buy their product it's not yeah. like you can buy anyone else's right. product so right okay those, those are, are good things to keep in mind yes so what would be some common restrictions that um, teachers or campus leaders or district leaders would need to watch out for so a lot of grants require a 501c3 status sure. tax-exempt yeah. status yeah. so most school districts do not have tax-exempt yeah. status right. so they need to either work with their education foundation yeah. and utilize their 501c3 status right. to access that grant. Yeah. Sometimes it requires that their SAM.gov registration okay. is active. Mm -hmm. um, and if that's not active or it's expired, then that can also limit um, access to grants because that's where grants, all the federal and the state grants sure. rely on that registration to be active. Okay. Um, and I, uh, so that's a very important one too. Okay. And then okay. sometimes it's geographic location that the uh, grant will specify we want to serve only projects that are going to serve this 
a geographic location. Okay. If there is like one thing that you would like every campus leader to know, what, what would that one thing be? Keep trying. Okay. Just try. Um, the first time you do it, it may not may not work out. Yeah. But you just have to keep going, build on your success, and then before you know it, your your success rate will increase. Just like with any um, athlete, you just sure. the first time you throw the basketball, <laughs> it yeah. might not go in the hoop, but yeah. then you keep trying and you keep trying, and eventually you'll you'll win the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's good to, especially getting no's over and over again, yes. like, isn't easy, but that, oh, that's good. Well, and that me, makes me think about another uh, tip that's useful. So looking at a grant, if they're only making five awards okay. oh, across the whole nation, okay. you have to know that they're probably going to get thousands of applications sure. and so if you're going to decide to invest the time and energy into that grant you your grant will need to be really compelling sure. <laughs> really innovative to make it right. uh, to that top five category right. so that was one of my one of my first grants I wrote was for the Toyota tapestry grant okay for a garden for our school okay yeah. and I remember I was so excited and yeah. I put so much time and energy and then they only awarded 10 grants that yeah. year and they had thousands of applications. Sure. But, you know, I tried. Yeah. I got my uh, my practice in for, for writing a grant. Yeah. And so it all leads to good things. Yeah. Um, and then Tommy had asked about, like, sharing a success story. I'd love to hear a story about a district or a campus that worked really hard either with you or just to get a grant and what what they can do with that to just encourage campus leaders listening that feel like that sounds great but I don't have time for that or um, you know I would love to be able to do that but I just can't um, we know that it's worth that time and energy but um, I'd love to hear a story about about it being worth that time and energy Yes, well, one grant that uh, stands out in my mind yeah. is um, in San Antonio ISD, there was a, a program, it was a dropout recovery program. Okay. And um, so there were uh, a lot at a particular campus, there were a lot of kids who um, were uh, in the juvenile detention centers or um, lots of lots of trouble in their lives. And so uh, the, the program, the grant provided um, a mentoring with a specific program that uh, did the ankle monitors, okay. um, the bracelets, yeah. um, and then it, so the stories that came back from the mm. families and the teachers were so impactful that like these kids who, and, and the great thing about the grant, it was not just the ankle monitors, but it also gave them Every student got a, a, a phone call every morning. Good morning, this is your friendly wake-up call. You know, today, don't forget, you have this due in your homework, or did you finish that homework assignment? So someone was constantly checking in on them. Wow. For, um, for, it, was a very, it was a very expensive program, but it yeah. was a very impactful program. Yeah. And those kids ended up graduating, you know, finishing. The, these were middle school kids that were going to be, you know, dropping out sure. of school, sure. getting into trouble. But now, you know, after hearing the stories, and it was a three-year grant program, and the, wow. just the, it was just beautiful. Yeah. 
That sounds so cool. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our audience or anything else that you would like to, I've heard that maybe you have a new book out. Yes. Would you like to tell us about that? Yes. <laughs> I just published uh, my state commensatory education compliance awesome. by design. Okay. So that is to help the school districts to know how to manage and monitor all the compliance with state requirements okay. uh, for at-risk kids. It's all about you know how to identify the students correctly, get them coded in the system, uh, get their uh, the them connected with the support services in the okay, district, yeah. creating their budgets and their allocations, monitoring progress of those students to make sure that they they uh, meet their uh, close the achievement gaps in reading and math specifically. So then also the program evaluation, evaluating the effectiveness of those services wow. for those students. Okay. So. Yes. Uh, awesome. So where can we find that? Oh, on my website. Okay. Yes, at, at kishrussell.com uh, kish awesome. forward slash books and trainings. Yes. Okay. Yes. Kish, thank you so much. This was amazing. Thanks, everyone that watched live or live after the fact. <laughs> um, this will be on our podcast when we start releasing episodes. And we'll be sure to let you know so you can share that with your people, oh, too. Oh, thank you. Thank you thank so you much. Thank you so much. There you go, folks. I hope that you found that as insightful and informative as I did. I loved getting to talk with Kish. If you have any questions or um, would like to be connected with Kish or find out more, you're always welcome to email me, beth at responsivelearning.com, or you can go to Kish's website. It's kishrussell.com, K-I-S-H-R-U-S-S-E-L-L.com. She's got a lot of great tools and resources for you there. This production is made possible by the work of Erwin Solbach. He does the music for this that you hear right now. That's Erwin. And he does all of the production and editing for this podcast. Our logo and design work is by Alana Kanoy. And all of this is made possible from the folks at Responsive Learning. Hope you guys enjoyed. Have a great rest of your day.